Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Mark Hankin with Hankin Patent Law. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing great, LA. So good to be here with you. I'm looking at your calendar on my desk, and now it's nice to see you and talk with you. <laughs> it's awesome to finally have you on the show. I think you and I both thought that you had done a podcast with us before, but I went through the archives and we haven't. So I'm glad we're doing it now. Because I talk with you all the time in meetings, <laughs> and, I, and I just, I, I don't know, I had this memory, but it wasn't there. Shows why eyewitness memories are the worst testimony of all. Yeah, you and me both. So for all you attorney entrepreneurs that are out there listening, I am so happy to have Mark on the show today because he is bar none the best networker that I have ever met. And he has a really unique approach to it that uh, I think you can all really benefit from. Um, whether you're improvisers, and if you're listening to this and you're improvisers, you know about Mark. Um, but even if you're not, a lot of the things that he's going to be sharing with you today are traits that if you apply them, you are going to be able to build a book of business. So Mark, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you got started with this, this idea of, look, I'm going to go out there and build these relationships and make it rain. Absolutely. So look, I started out at the big firms. I was the one in the hundred, who, you know, the guy who got the job at the big firm and then who made partner at a big firm. And it was interesting because I had lots of work to do for other people. And they would always want me to do work. I was very industrious. But starting pretty early in my career, around my second year, actually, I brought in, started bringing in paying clients that were my clients. And I noticed that the partners I worked with, the people who had the most freedom, the most autonomy, and the most happiness were people with their own book of business. And I realized I got to be one of those, not one of those service partners who work for other people. I got to be the guy who brings in the clients. And I did everything I could to figure out how people did that, what I could do to do it. And I figured out early on, and lots of organizations have trademarked this and have taught it, but I learned early on, people do business with people they like. You have to be good at what you do. That's a minimum. But you have to go out and meet the people and have them want to do business with. Yeah. And I, I've seen this happen time and time again. Um, when someone you know, goes out and meets a bunch of people, they think meeting a bunch of people is going to a meeting and <laughs> sitting in the chair. <laughs> they play the, they play the business card counting game. Like, okay, I get this question a lot. I'm sure you do as well. Is it better if I give out a lot of business cards or collect a lot of business cards? Which one's the better way to be networking? Yeah, right. <laughs> you and I both know it is neither one because it's nice that they have your contact information. They might somewhere somehow put into some sort of database, but it doesn't mean they'll remember you. It was funny because we were just, uh, we just had our first in-person networking meeting for my networking group, uh, which is a provisors group for those of you that know the organization after a long time. And I got exactly this question, which was, do we need to bring business cards? And I said, look, <laughs> if you feel like you need to bring business cards to meet the people in your networking group, uh, you're doing something really, really wrong. I mean, these are really, this should really be based on genuine relationships. It should be. And it's shocking to me how many people don't understand that. It, it's shocking how many people really think that 
they are going to show up and get business. And it's just not that way at all. I often do not tell people what I do in a group. If I go to a meeting, I often don't say what I do. You know, sometimes I throw my tagline out there because everyone knows it, but but I I will often just not bother getting into the details because if you want to know what I do, you'll get to know me. And if you know who I am, you'll figure it out. And all you really need to know is my email address anyway. But over time, we'll get to know each other and you won't have to ask because it, it'll be something that you know intuitively. And when I have to ask what somebody does, that means I don't really know them. I see this happen a lot, Mark, where I'm talking to a potential client or an actual client or someone that's just talking to me about networking in general and building a book of business. And they say, you know, what can I do to build a book of business in the next three months so I can make partner? Um, tell me a little bit about your philosophy on, on, on building a book. Sure. Start early, start often, do as much as you can to get out there. I don't care if you do bar associations, if you do industry conferences, if you go to the local community center or do a chamber of commerce or do a rotary club or just hang out at your kid's school or the the ball field. It doesn't matter where you do it or with whom you do it. Talk to people, get to know people and don't tell them what you do. Do not come in sharing your benefits, the benefits of knowing you come in asking questions, come to the conversation curious, ask people what they do, ask people what their pain points are, and then maybe ask them how you might be able to help them. But don't worry about you getting, just worry about making yourself valuable to those around you. You know, get involved. And and so you and I are both group leaders and provisors, and we're on other executive committees, and we help people with lots of things. We learned early on, volunteer. You only have really time as your sole resource. Volunteer your time to make other people's lives easier. Make the world a better place than when you found it. Get in there, plan the event, invite people to the event, market the event, go and help be on the, be on the nominating committee. I was in an in of court where I have never been an officer, but I was the first three out of the first four years, I was the nominee, I was the chair of the first year, and then I was on the nominating committee two of the next three years after that. I was the kingmaker. I got to put in place who I wanted. And it works because when you put people in position of responsibility, when you volunteer to be the, you know, be on a committee or be the chair of something, when you plan the event, when you are the one integrally involved going to the meetings, that's when people get to know you. And you don't have to find time to make yourself relevant. You are relevant by what you're doing. And, you know, people always say, well, I'm too busy for that. Well, I always say, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. The people who are the most busy are the ones who know how to manage their time the best. And even though I will often self-effacingly say the worst thing I do is time management, I think I must be lying to myself because I get so much done at an average day, week, or month. It's just not necessarily the things that somebody else wanted me to get done. Um, but that's, you know, but but business development, LA, you just got to get started getting to know people. And then... Sooner or later, people will ask you, it's amazing to me that the moms from our kids' school or the ball field, the, the dads that I you know, used to hang out with and Indian guys, when, when people contact me and say, hey, I've got a client who needs this. Isn't that what you do? I never pitched them. I never gave them a business card. 
yeah, I took an ad in the outfield. I think I got one client from the ad in the outfield after, you know, 12 years of hanging a banner. But <laughs> I was doing it to support the organization in a tax-deductible manner. I wasn't really worrying about marketing. But getting to know people and, and not putting your business card out there, but putting yourself out there, giving a little bit of yourself to a lot of people, get involved in the school auction, be on the committee that raises donations, be the one who gives out the awards, be the MC, be the person who's the auctioneer, be the one that people see doing stuff because they figure if you do that well, how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, Mark, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound that hard. In fact, it actually sounds kind of fun. Fun, exciting, and a heck of a lot better than sitting in your office working on someone else's matter. <laughs> but yet, you and I both know a lot of people are shy. A lot of people, now, by the way, a lot of people are introverted, and that doesn't mean they can't do this stuff too. They won't be as outwardly, they're not going to be jumping on the stage, grabbing the mic like I will. But they will still be able to be involved and get to know people and be on the committees. They just won't be the loudest one on the committee. But there's nothing, there's nothing exclusive about being an extrovert. You can do this and be an introvert. But the key is to get out of your shell and get out of your room and go be with other people. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Go be with other people. And why is it that most attorneys don't do that? They're afraid of the billable hour. They, they, they look at a number and they say, I have to hit this target. And the only way I can hit this target is to say no to everything else. And, you know, look, I, I'm somebody who used to build 26, 2700 hours a year. And I was there every night, every weekend. I still work most weekends, although I stopped going into the office on weekends because I decided I could do it all from my home office now, which was there one of go. the greatest lessons of pandemic. <laughs> but, but I will say this, that the people who think they don't have time to do the other stuff, are really selling themselves way too short. You know, you, you probably coach your, your lawyers on work-life balance. I know that my lawyer coach used to talk to me all the time about work-life balance. And I figured out a long time ago, like, it is not that I do one hour of work and one hour of play. One hour of work, one hour of play. That's not balance. It's I'm going to do some work and I'm going to do some play. And the play could be work that is fun. They don't call it net playing. They call it networking. But for me, it's invigorating and fun. And I don't mind going to do, like last night, I went to a, a wine dinner with six lawyers and a lawyer marketing guy. And we had a great time at the wine dinner. My wine won, actually. Nice. Uh, and yeah, I was excited. First time in a while. Uh, and and we, we talked a little business. We talked a little bit about what we did. But mostly we just got to hang out with each other and talk with each other and be with each other. And then at the end, a few of us stayed around, three managing partners stayed around talking about the ups and downs and challenges of our practice. But only after we'd spent a few hours drinking wine together and hanging out and getting to you know be with each other as people. There's no doubt in my mind that one of those six people is going to send me work in the next few months. And there's no doubt in my mind I'm going to send work to one of those one or more of those six people in the next few months. Not because I owe them, because I like them. So get up, get out, and make yourself known. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. it's easy, LA, but people still don't want to do it. People don't. And you know, one is the billable hour. The other fear, and and as a raging introvert, um, I can totally relate to this. The other thing is the fear 
of getting out into a group of people whom you don't know and trying to make an impression, trying to do, do this, trying to do that. There is a certain benefit to doing these activities, even if you're scared to do them. I used to be. And it took me to really push myself to get out of my comfort zone. Why did I do that? I did that because if I didn't, I wasn't going to have a business, right? The business coach who doesn't do any networking is not going to be in business coaching for very long. Can I let you in on a little secret that only those listening to this podcast will learn? Yeah. I hate walking into a room of 100 people. I do not like getting late to a meeting where there's 150 people in a room or 30 people in a room. It doesn't scare me. It just annoys me, and it's it's discombobulating. I I used to be late to everything because I'm a Star Trek fan, and I used to figure out well, the meetings at seven. You leave at seven. You get in the transporter, and you're there. And I I'm not <laughs> being facetious. I really just used to leave at the time. Like I just didn't understand travel time. And after a while, I, I figured out it's not good to be late for things. And I learned you have to be early, not on time. You have to be early, and What's interesting is if you get there first, if you're one of the first one, two, three people, you see everybody come in. And I know that thing about the frog is not true, but it's like the frog in the water. You raise it one degree at a time, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel As you see one person come in each, you get to meet the new people. You get to greet the people. And then the group builds around you. Then if you look around, oh my God, there's 150 people here. But you didn't walk into a group of 150 people, which is just daunting. And so get there early, whether you're extroverted like me or introverted like you, get there early and be one of the greeters. Be one of the people that's there seeing the people come. And then if there's somebody you want to talk to, you'll get them before anyone else does. And by the way, if you don't prepare for that meeting, if you don't study the list, you don't know who's going to be in the room, if you don't think about who you want to get to know before you get there, you've wasted a big opportunity to really capitalize on being there yeah, I totally agree, Mark. Great point about getting there early and being one of the first people in the room and being a greeter. And the point about preparation, it baffles me. It always baffles me when I talk to people that summon up the courage to go out to this meeting and it's a big, big thing for them. They're not used to doing it and they get there and they haven't prepared at all. They don't know who's going to be there. They don't know who the people in charge are. They don't know who they want to meet. They don't even know what they want to get out of the event. <laughs> all they know is that they're going. Yeah, but then, LA, the ones that are smart enough to go with a buddy, a wingman, if you will, and then hang out with that buddy and talk to them the whole night. Like, wait a second. You were smart enough to bring someone who you could touch base with, figure out if you have an issue with, who do I meet, help me introduce. But then you hang out with them. You sit with them. No, you go and sit at different tables. You go and meet different people and then check back in and introduce or bring someone over to your buddy and introduce them going with a person is a great idea, but hanging out with them is a terrible idea. Yeah, they're not your Siamese twins, so please don't treat them that way. <laughs> Perfect example, exactly, 100%. Love it. And you know, another thing, too, that I've noticed that people do when they go to these events is they really don't like it the first time they go to a new event with a new group of people, and so they, then they never go back there again. And that is a huge, huge mistake. You know, it's interesting. Last weekend, Completely coincidentally, my wife and I went to two different events. Uh, one was a summer social and one was a 50th birthday party where we knew the people who invited us and nobody else. In one of them, the first one, they had assigned seating. They sat couples at tables together 
but seated across, you know, far away from one another and seated other people around them. There were three people at my table I loved and I reached out with immediately that night on LinkedIn. And by morning, we were all connected and really interesting people. Um, and we had a great time during the cocktail hour talking to people. It was really nice to meet people that we didn't know. The other event, there was none of that. There was no welcoming. There was no, hey, do you know this person? Hey, meet this person. You happen to meet people you might have sat with, but it wasn't strategic. So you didn't necessarily sit with the right people. And there probably were people I would have loved to talk to. But because nobody guided me, it just didn't happen as well as it might have. And my wife and I sort of debriefed on that, that, you know, it's when we entertain and then we entertain this past weekend and we split couples up and I strategically put the people next to each other. And two different sets of people told us they're going to probably that they didn't know each other before. They're going to probably end up doing business with each other after having met each other in our house. Because, again, preparation planning, thinking about it, and making it easier for others. If you're the host or the organizer, you have an obligation to make it easier for those in attendance to get to know one another. And I'm a huge fan of name tags, by the way. We didn't have name tags at either of those events, but I wish we did. I'm a big fan of name tags um, because even if you know somebody, you still either forget or if you're introducing somebody, it's just much easier for them to see the name. Especially, I mean, your name is not the most usual name. My name is spelled differently than many people and those names sound alike. And it's nice to be able to get that visual and see it so that you can be sure of it. And frankly, sometimes we just forget who somebody is, recognize the face. The other night we went out to dinner and I, the guy said hello to me and I, I know I know him. And then I turned to his wife, oh, she's a provider's group leader. Now I know not only who she is, but I know exactly who he is. But his name didn't pop in my brain until I saw her, and then and then it popped in. And that happens because we've known we've gotten to know thousands of people. So, you know, we're just human. It happens all the time. And and Mark, that is something I wanted to get into as well. We've talked a lot about networking and getting in the room and serving and being visible. Um, let's talk about giving to others. And I know you have a very, very focused way that you approach these things. You know, as you said, thousands of people hundreds of attorneys all across the country. You work on cases all across the country. Um, when you are looking to uh, connect with someone new, I mean, how do you keep it all straight in terms of who to give referrals to? <laughs> well, if I were organized, that'd be dangerous. <laughs> so the getting to know is the easy part. Um, I make at least one referral every single day. I, I actually look forward to the first referral of the day just so I can check that box and say, all right, I I, I, I'm breathing, I'm, I'm upright, and I'm making a referral. But I ask people what they do, and then I ask them what their sweet spot is. You know, if you could only have one kind of client the rest of your career, what would that be? What would you want it to be? That gives me the bullseye in the center of the target. That gives me what I'm going to shoot for. But LA, whether you shoot guns or arrows or throw darts or you just have seen a target, you know that there's concentric circles emanating around that bullseye, and each one of them have numbers on it because they get points for coming close. So figuring out what people do, what their sweet spot is, and coming as close as you can on a given referral really matters. And it's just a matter of you figuring out how can you provide for that person a connection a client, or something that is strategic for them. And, you know, it, it's really interesting. I was in BNI before I was in Provisors, and 
Um, they used to talk about standing in the middle of a referral and letting it pass you by. And this is something to be avoided. And I, I learned that people do that all the time. You know, someone will be sharing with you some woe. Something unfortunate has happened. Someone died. They lost their house. They had a flood. They had, you know, someone lost a job, whatever it is. You can empathize and say, oh, I'm so sorry. And, oh, that's terrible. And, oh, I feel bad for you. How about this? How about tune your hearing, open your ears. What can I do to provide? What can I help? How, what kind of person can I get for you? And all of a sudden, you can make two or three or four referrals for the person because all of a sudden, you've thought of what they really need. And that makes you a better connector. It makes people want to have you in the room. And that, I think, is is the is the next step here. You can do all the networking. You can build this network. But... You always need to be looking how you can help somebody else. If they come to you with a problem, like you said, Mark, or or something that's troubling them, you know, I've always got my, like, I think they say to have your big ears on. I always have my big ears on listening, not because I want to keep score or anything like that. I want to help people. And I have this amazing network, as do you. We have these amazing networks that we can deploy to help a lot of people. Uh, to the point where if either of us, if anyone comes to either of us with a problem, we will have people who can help. Right. And and the part about remembering, <laughs> that's hard. That's where a good CRM helps. That's where a good, a good memory helps. Um, and that's where when people tell us success stories that have visual imagery, it sticks in our mind better. We remember the pictures they created. And then when we're in a situation later where someone else is telling us a similar story, the picture generates their face in our brain. And that's how we think of them. It's not a matter of going into our computer, into our phone, into our Rolodex that I haven't had a Rolodex in decades, but I <laughs> remember what they are, um, and, and figuring out who it is. It's a matter of the picture of the face popping in because the picture of the story. And that's why it's so important when lawyers need to talk to you. And, and figure out what they can do better in their marketing. What can they do better to think about how they can present themselves? But they have to come up with stories that sing, stories that, that stick in our minds. Totally agree with you. And, the, and that really helps us to get to know people because the better we know somebody, the more they're going to stick in our minds and the easier it's going to be to make a referral. Um, so, Mark, switching gears a little bit, you mentioned sweet spots. What is your sweet spot for Hank and Patent Law? Manufacturers, manufacturers, and someone, a client that's making and selling more widgets than someone else, there's intellectual property in there. They have suppliers they have to deal with. They have distributors they have to deal with. They're going to send cease and desist letters. They're going to respond to cease and desist letters. They have new brands and, and, and product names, and they have to worry about freedom to use. And what if, happens if they have a new invention? Will they step on someone's toes, or can they go ahead and protect the invention themselves? Manufacturers are great clients for us. And I don't care if it's robotics, home theater, jewelry, uh, fashion, nutraceuticals, dietary supplements, all manner of software, all kinds of things. Bicycles, lots of bicycle parts. I've represented people that make pedals. I've represented people that make handlebars. I've represented people that make grips. Uh, all kinds of technology involved. Motorcycles, boats, planes, whatever there is. That you can be that you can manufacture. There's going to be intellectual property that needs being protected, and that's what we love to do. So my team and I are great at. Awesome. And where should these clients be located? 
literally anywhere in the United States, although technically anywhere in the world. I, I represent clients from outside the country when they have typically litigation in the United States. I don't do a lot of inbound prosecution work, transactional work, but I do a lot of outbound transactional work where my clients, my U.S. clients want to get something in another country. I interface with other lawyers in other countries. But I am, I'm admitted in New, all the state and federal courts in New Jersey and California, appellate courts on both coasts, and many, many district courts in between. And I handle cases right now. I'm litigating cases in Florida, in New York, up and down California. Um, we've got lots of things going on in lots of different states and district courts. So. And Mark, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Mark at HankandPatentLaw.com. M-A-R-C at H-A-N-K-I-N-P-A-T-E-N-T-L-E-W.com. I need a shorter email address, LA. But um, <laughs> come through my website, email me, find a way to reach out to me. And my, my cell phone's on my business card and easily accessible because I want people to be able to reach me. And that's before pandemic and before we were working more remotely because I'm often traveling and out of town, but often but working 24-7 when you need me. So. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today and sharing your wisdom with us as usual. It was a packed, packed 20 minutes with tons of great tips. Thank you so much. It's wonderful. Wonderful to speak with you as always. Thanks so much for having me. And all of you attorney entrepreneurs, if you are just too busy to do a lot of the business networking that we've talked about here today that Mark has given you a lot of great advice on, check out Get Staffed Up. They're a sponsor of the show and I've got something special for you. Uh, If you actually uh, use our uh, podcast name, getstaffedup.com forward slash lawyer business advantage, or just mention lawyer business advantage, you will get a $500 discount off the startup fee. So that is new as of, as of this episode, Mark, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I look forward to talking soon. Thanks. And that's a wrap for this episode of the lawyer business advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.